we've been created to make and enjoy. Um, it's a fun time, and I remember as a little kid doing a lot of these things and just having a great time doing them. <clears throat> um, November 3rd, quarterly reports are due, so this is your reminder. Due in the office November 3rd, so we can get those printed up and written out. Uh, November 5th will be daylight savings. Time ends and we fall back. Um, most people just want to know, like, do I get more sleep or not? I think you do get more sleep, yes, because you want more sun in the morning. So, yes, you get more sleep, if that's what you're wondering. Um, communion will be November 5th as well. <clears throat> and there will be a missions committee meeting after the morning service and a church board meeting at 6.30 November 5th. Also, if you look at your bulletin on the left side, it always says, okay, here's a junior church helper today. Here's next week. Here's the nursery schedule. Here's next week. Cleaning schedule this week. Here's next week. Pay attention to that because if you're not going to be here, make sure you let Cheryl or somebody know or you take the, <clears throat> take the um, initiative and have someone swap places with you so those things get done if you're not going to be here. Um, election day is coming up November 7th. Be in prayer for that, that things go well and smoothly. The harvest, uh, fall harvest dinner will be November 12th after the morning service. Um, everyone is welcome. Invite friends, family, um, favorite fall soups, casseroles, sides, desserts. We'll probably have a sign-up sheet, I would imagine. Is that true? Will there be a sign-up sheet for the harvest dinner? If it was me, I'd say no. <laughs> Yeah, we might wing it. So there might be a lot of desserts or a lot of soups or a lot of overlap, and that's okay. Just make three of each. That's fine. <laughs> um, November 13th to the 20th will be National Collection Week for Operation Christmas Child. Keep that in mind. Also, offering today in Sunday school was for uh, shoeboxes. Um, I don't know what the total was for that. Do you know? $515, and how much do we need to ship those? $10 for each box? Okay, so I think we're doing well. Any other announcements that are not in the bulletin? I think my dad has one announcement, but other than that, um, that's it. Just to keep you up to date with the pastoral search committee and what we're doing and what's going on, um, you heard Thomas Hamblin speak here, and uh, we have sent him a packet to uh, offer for him to candidate. And so we want you praying about that. I don't know whether he'll decide to go for it, and we're waiting for that response. And if he does, then it'll probably be after the first of the year before we can actually get him here to do the candidating part, but you can be praying. Is this the man God's leading here to become the pastor? Um, you all want to be praying for that anyway. Um, but we sent him a questionnaire that we've designed and uh, to try and sort out some things and also constitution and a formal letter inviting him to candidate. And I also called him and talked to him and he Seemed excited about that. Uh, was surprised he got it so quickly. So just be praying. I uh, don't know if this is the man or not, but we at least uh, have seen somebody we thought might fill that role. Okay? So 
after all of that, if you have other questions, you can ask any of us on the side. We may not have answers, but we'll be glad to entertain the question. Okay? So now we're going to sing hymn number 16, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. this again during my sermon, but it's good just to take a second and kind of set it aside to read. But this is just uh, the journey of the two disciples with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And this is the story of their conversation and their reaction on the roads. This is Luke 24, 13 to 35 is where I'll be reading this. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now Jesus had just been crucified and had been, there are rumors that he had raised from the dead or at least his body had been stolen, the rumor was starting. And so these disciples were discussing this. And Jesus creeps up next to them or wanders up next to them or begins to walk with them. And this is what happens. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you two are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was, prof- who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer all these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they arose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. We'll look more at that passage and the rest of Second Peter chapter 1 a little bit later. Turn your hymn books to 51. Hymn number 51, Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. This is 
prayer requests, but I want to remind you next month is the month of November, and Thanksgiving shows up in that month. So we will be singing songs about thanking God, and uh, we'll give you opportunity during the time that we sing our worship songs to give praise to the Lord, to give Him thanks. So that'll be your opportunity to publicly declare thanks to God for things that He has done in your life. So keep that in mind. Be ready to give praise and glory to God. Okay? Are there prayer requests or praises today? Now he's back down in Tampa. Yes. yes. He's in Tampa. He's going to have surgery to have his, his uh, stone removed from his kidney. And uh, I guess it's a rather large stone. So be praying for him as they work to take care of that now. He went down there on vacation too. He's having the time of his life. But he has to go in the hospital while he's there. That's not exactly exciting. So... Be praying for him for that. Other prayer requests or praises? So you didn't hit that car afterward. No, you didn't run, chase him down or anything. No, it's driving is no easy task. You got eighty thousand pounds. Yeah. Anybody else? She's home or in the hospital? She's home. We're home. We're home. Yeah. Yes. We're home. Good. Okay. That was a praise for you. Wonderful. Good. Anybody else? 
think about me when I go into hernia surgery. Okay. When is that surgery, Terry? The third. Okay. Third of November. prayer. Our amazing God, we are so thankful that you allow us to come to you in prayer, that you've made us your children and that it is of your interest, your desire that we come freely to you and to to express our joy and praise and to uh, ask for help in many different situations. We're grateful for that. We're grateful that we know that you love us in such a way that you have given us free access to you and that you are constantly a part of our life. So we're grateful for this time when we can come to you as a church and pray and, and request that you would accept our praises for the amazing things that have happened during our week. Lord, we don't always voice them, but we are very aware of all that you do for us We're thankful for that. We're thankful for your blessings, for the special things, um, for the special things like Carl's uh, daughter coming home to be with him and uh, surprising him after being gone for a while. Um, Grateful for that time that she had to uh, kind of recuperate and uh, put things in perspective. We're thankful for uh, different things that we get to listen to, like Mike, and and to see, hear these things, and see these things, and and learn from them, and cause us to reflect on our behavior, and change our behavior. So continue to do that in our lives through your Word and through speakers that we might hear, and through the message today. Lord, we do pray for this these women who are walking on the road. One of them is passed away and Lord we pray for those families we pray for for the other woman who was injured for her healing we pray for this man who hit them as he was on his way to work Um, Lord uh, all hard things awful things to go through and yet you can help us through those and help this to come out in a way that would bring glory to you and would benefit us Lord, we're grateful for so many other things. We're grateful for Hannah and, and the surgery and uh, how it went well and, and how that's come out. Uh, so we pray for her healing, that it would be complete and that she would not have pain uh, after it's all done. Um, Lord, we pray for Hunter as he goes into surgery uh, tomorrow and pray that they'll be able to take care of this kidney stone and and give him relief and get him back on track. We pray for Terry as he approaches hernia surgery. Um, Lord, we're just grateful for those you provide who do these things. But we know ultimately we need for you to watch over us and care for us 
So we're thankful that you are there. Thankful for this time today to worship you. Thankful for your goodness in doing that. And we pray that you'll help us as we worship you in song to do it with all our heart because we love you. And we're grateful that you love us. Lord, to help us as we listen to the message, to hear your word, because they're your words and we need to hear them. They're life to us. Help us to do that also, to worship you by our hearing of your word and to glorify you as we do that. So we praise you this day. Ask us to help you, help us as we go through this day to bring glory to you. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to stand and sing our worship songs. The first one, Glorious Day. <clears throat> one day when heaven was filled with His praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is He. The Word became flesh and the light shined upon us, His glory Seal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him from rising again. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far 
Praise the name. Doing their signs so you can all see them. If you guys can learn the signs, you're welcome to do them with them. Just go ahead and learn those things they do and go right. I'd love to see everybody out there doing this. Oh, travel 
He shall return the robes of light. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze is fixed on Jesus' name. Oh 
Father, thank you. Thank you for songs that allow us to express the joys and excitement we have of knowing you. Thank you that we can lift you up and praise you. We hope that the singing we do from our hearts will glorify you and bring joy to you. Thank you for your love. Help us as we go through the message to pay attention to your word and to respond to it. We're so grateful for all that you do and grateful for your word. In your son's precious name, amen. Those ages four to seven, dismissed to junior church. While it's somewhat fresh in our minds, Scripture has often been compared to um, sheep music, and that the sheep music has been written by an author and is to be played a certain way. Um, we don't necessarily care about how you feel about the music or which lines should be crossed out, uh, but it's been written in a certain way because it goes together in the right key. And when all players play together as one and follow the instructions uh, written down on the paper, there is a beautiful song that is written. And it's very intentional, every note of every line. And when you miss one of those lines or whenever you get caught up in the emotions or the feeling of the song, instead of following the lines, you throw off not only yourself but everybody else. And you get a quick illustration of that just in worship sometimes, right? But so is true of the scripture itself. We're like, well, I don't like how that part goes, so I'm going to cut that out. And I don't like how that part goes, I'm going to cut that out. I would rather have a B-flat minor here. And in the end, you don't have the, the original song at all. Um, scripture is often compared to that. And it's an easy way to see it uh, whenever you lay it out that way. But God calls us over and over and over and over and over again throughout the scriptures uh, 
that we would obey the scriptures, that we would know the scriptures, that we would meditate on the scriptures both day and night. All the time having them written on the walls of our homes, having them spoken by the parents and by the children, encouraging one another with the scriptures, to be so filled with the scriptures that it just bleeds out of not only what we say, but also what we do. Last week we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, and for part of it we looked at the transfiguration. That's kind of where we ended. And the transfiguration is the time when Peter and James and John, they follow Jesus up to a high mountain, it says. And they begin to pray there, and as they do, Jesus is transfigured. So he takes on his glorified body in front of all of them. His face shines like the sun. His clothes go from the drab clothes of the day to bright white. A cloud rolls in and they hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And Peter's recounting this to the people who are listening here. Now that is a powerful scene. That would change your life throughout the course of history, for sure, absolutely. And this is what he says. Peter uses it to say, we didn't follow clever myths like these false teachers do. That's not what we're doing. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we in fact were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says, we saw his majesty ourselves when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory or we heard the voice of the Father say this, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, we heard this very voice from heaven for we were with him on that mountain. So Peter is saying, this dramatic thing I was an eyewitness to. I was an eyewitness to Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, his transfiguration, the hope of future glory as we see Christ transformed. But Peter does something strange in verse 19. What he does is we have something more sure than that. More sure than what I'm telling you right now you have. He says that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. A more sure word. A full word. Something that you can rest on. A firm foundation in the scripture. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. As we went through 2 Peter, we knew that he was building up because we read it together. He was building up to a point where he's going to describe what false teachers look like and what they're doing in the churches. But in order to do that, he builds up the people first in their salvation. Um, I was listening to a MacArthur sermon the other day, and he lines it up. He, he wants to secure them in their salvation, their sanctification and the scriptures so that they can then be ready to fight the false teachers. They can be, then be ready to push against the tide creeping in. So what he says here is we have the word of God more sure than me seeing Christ transfigured in all of his glory, than me hearing the voice of God. We have something more sure and you should pay attention to that. That is what you should be paying attention to is the scriptures. It's like a lamp shining in a dark place. You see, anyone can have an experience. 
Anyone can have an experience. And many, 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 many people from all around the world have had experiences. We have experiences every day. But it means nothing without right interpretation. It means nothing without the background of what in the world is going on. I've given this illustration before, right? But um, you walk into your house, it's late at night, nobody's at home, and the hair immediately stands up on the back of your neck. And you're like, well, there's got to be somebody in my house. Because I'm experiencing fear. I'm experiencing something here. And so you start maybe clicking all the lights on, and then you get to your bathroom, and you're sure, because you've seen the movies, somebody is for sure hiding in the shower. Like, guaranteed, that's going to happen. Because you are experiencing so much fear that it must then be true. And so then we... We turn all of our thoughts and all of our actions and all of our emotions into that one direction. And what is it going to be? I'm going to flip that thing open so fast that the person hiding back there is going to be so shocked. Hopefully they'll pass out and I can run away. I don't know why people don't just turn around and leave. But they're always like, no, nah, I'm going to check anyways. I've done that before where I'm like, shoink. I don't know what I would have done if I would have gone like that and someone would have been there. I have no idea. I didn't plan that far ahead, but I had to see. Right? We've built our whole, like, right then, our whole mindset on our experience, but zero truth. Just experience. Then the truth hits us. There's no one there. This whole thing has been just a mirage. My experiences, I was misinterpreting everything. I forgot that the door was locked. I forgot so-and-so said they might be here to check on the thing, and they left the lamp on. And all of a sudden, these truths come flooding in. And just the one big truth, of course, that nobody's in there in the first place. We do the same thing. We try to interpret our experiences and other people's experience and say, that then must be true. What Peter is saying is, I had this experience, but there is a more true thing. That is the written word of God. Jesus would agree. The Father would agree. All the prophets would agree that the truth found in Scripture is more sure. You need to be careful to look into that, to use Scripture as your light in the darkness. He says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. A lot of times my job takes me into crawl spaces. More often than not, I try and send Greg into those crawl spaces. Um, he's built for it. And it would be really sad if I sent him in there with no flashlight. And I was like, you know what, Greg, you're just going to have to go without a flashlight. I don't want to scare any of the mice out of the way. I want all the snakes to be in there, so you're just going to go in there blind. And he's like, well, I want to at least see the problem. And I'm like, no, just go feel it. Just go in with all your feelings and reach for it. This is what we do without the scriptures on the daily. How much money should I save for retirement? How, much, um, how many children should I have? What church should I go to? What movie should I watch? Like the petty things. How much to eat today? What clothes do I put on? Scripture is full of truth for those things. So you're not going in blindly. It tells you in there a host of things that you need for life and for godliness and for your day-to-day -day relationships. The most important things in your life are explained to you in Scripture if you would just 
open it up and turn on the light. And so then if I give Greg the flashlight and say, go ahead, he knows not to grab that thing because that's not a rock, that's a rat. He knows there's the leaky pipe. I'm going to work on that pipe, not this one that's not leaking. He can see how to take the quickest route to that thing and how to avoid the dangers. The same is true with us. Do you want to avoid a whole host of spiritual dangers in your life? Then use the light of the word of God that's been given to you. It is a flashlight. It's a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path that you wouldn't stumble over all of these lies. The lies that you conjure up in your own head, the lies that people are telling you. Instead, you're taking it, you're shining the light of the scripture on it and going, that is a rat. That is not the rock of the truth. But see, that requires work and effort and reading and listening and attending and remembering and memorizing. I'd rather just feel it. And that's where you get into trouble. The scripture is a more sure thing than even that experience. Many, many religions have their miracles. Right? You see Mother Mary with the tears coming out of the statue. Uh, you see people being healed in different ways or saying that they heard from God in this way or that way. But what you need to do then is compare that to the truth. You see, the devil is a liar. I don't know if you remember, but when Pharaoh had all the people and he would not let them go, and God told Moses, you need to do these things and these things and these things, and what would the magicians do? The same things. Double it up. To a certain point, they were just as good at doing little miracles and little tricks, whether they were the same or not, I don't know. But they were really good at fooling the people. But the truth of Scripture is not like that. If you look up, again, the majority of the cults come from a place where somebody heard or saw a vision, swears an angel told them this, swears the God came down and did this. They base their faith on those things or that one event. We are to base our faith on the scriptures, which are different. And then you're to be able to defend the truth, defend the faith, lean on the scriptures. Here we are in a world of darkness. Here we are surrounded by lies. And most of us want to take our flashlight and shove it in our back pocket. I'll just feel my way around. Right, if I pull my flashlight out, someone's going to make fun of me. If I pull my flashlight out, they're not going to listen to me. If I pull my flashlight out, they're not going to follow me. If I pull my flashlight out, I might see how hard the journey is ahead. And so I want to just click it off and not go that way. Peter says, no, there's a more sure word, and this is the scriptures. Now, at that time, he's talking about the Old Testament, but you'll see even in this book, 2 Peter, if you go to chapter 3, he says, some of the scriptures are hard to understand, just like Paul's letters. So even Peter would say that Paul's letters were scripture at the time. Uh, it's interesting how quickly the scriptures become developed and put together and 
and trusted. So this is what he's saying, that you should have Scripture, you should rely on Scripture, you should know the Scripture completely, you should pull it out, depend upon it, use it for your day in and your day out, daily life, so you would not stumble, so you would not fall. And then I love how he transitions. He says, you're going to use that flashlight just like any of us would until the day comes. Right? Until Christ returns. This is the point. Until Christ returns, you will be using the flashlight of the word of God. When Christ returns, he will be here in all of his glory. All things will be revealed. You click the flashlight off to a certain extent. But now Jesus is the word. He is walking and talking. God is here with us. We are in perfect fellowship with him. All things have been made new. I have a glorified body, the one that Jesus bore when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I now resemble. He's made all things new. And not just all things out there, but also all things in here until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts as well. Until then, you are to rest in the scripture. Go to the scripture. Use the scripture as your light. Also, our scripture is not written like a lot of scriptures that people talk about. Our scripture is not a blind, free writing, like a Jesus is calling type of book where she just thinks about Jesus and Jesus somehow writes for her. Our scripture is not just dictation from God like Muhammad. Our scripture is completely different. Our scripture is God-breathed. Our scripture takes the nature of the man, his writing style, his writing location, the people he's going to write to, the friends that he has, the food that he eats, and God is going to write through him. God is not a spell checker, but he inspires men to write. And we'll continue to see this. <clears throat> I love that Road to Emmaus story because it combines a lot of these things that we're talking about right now. So you have these disciples and they're walking and they're talking. And notice what they're not doing. They are not reflecting on the scriptures. They are so lost and so confused. And it's funny because they talk to Jesus like, do you have any idea what's going on? And Jesus says, I have the most idea what's going on. Let me show you. Let's start in Genesis and go right through to Malachi. And I'll show you exactly what's going on. And that's what he does with them. He walks them through the scripture until at the end, they can see. He has shined a light on their lives. He shined a light on everything they've been experiencing for the last three days, three months, six years, however long they've known Christ in their journey. And so they're like, this makes sense. And then they go and they say, hold on, don't go back wherever you're going. Come with us. Come eat with us. It's getting late. You should come eat with us. Tell us more. Put these things together for us. Shine more light on our experience so that we can see this truth that you're talking about. And so he goes back with them and he breaks the bread and he disappears. Immediately they recognize who he is before he leaves. This is like the day dawning. 
Everything that he said has been flashlight, and then all of a sudden, the sun. And then they look back and they go, were not our hearts burning when he explained all this to us? When he went through the scriptures and showed us this truth. <clears throat> and the disciples at first, they were blind. They were not relying on scripture. They were not going back to the scriptures. Jesus pointed them right back there. Go back to the scriptures. The prophets have been talking about this. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Then they go back and they see the other disciples and they all rejoice together that Christ indeed has risen from the grave, just as he said that he would do. And just as the scriptures said that he would do. I think it would have been amazing for these very confused disciples to now walk into the room of all these confused people and say, hold on a minute. <clears throat> Let me explain something to you starting in Genesis. They had just heard the greatest teaching throughout the scriptures about Jesus Christ ever. And here they are with all the disciples who are confused and maybe they reiterated the story to them as well. This is what Jesus said, starting in Genesis. I love that. I love the whole situation. He says this in verse 20. Know this, first of all. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The Scripture does not come from man, Unlike the false teachers, these scriptures come from somewhere else. They're a unified teaching from the inspiration of God throughout generations. Scripture is written over thousands of years. It's written by over 40 different authors. And yet they have one unified message. The man has fallen in his sin after being created in a perfect world by a perfect God. Man then continues to sin against this God who loves him and made them. Man needed then a savior because God is just and God is good and he must punish lawbreakers, those who disobey him. And so he came into history himself in the form of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that was foretold all throughout scripture. Right in Genesis when he says that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head, you know how the story ends. And from then on out, Christ walks with the people, heals the people, forgives the people, and tells them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say that you believe in the Father, but you have not believed in me. Therefore, you don't believe in the Father. Talking to the Jews, he says, you are the children of the devil. Unless you believe in me, you are not children of God. Jesus, from the beginning, calling himself God, equating himself with God, run out of town after town, threatened to be stoned because they said, you blaspheme by making yourself equal with God. Jesus claims to be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. His disciples after that continue to write scripture explaining who he is, continuing to describe his miracles, continuing to tell the church how they ought to live, and basing that all on the Old Testament scriptures from then until today. And today we continue to read those scriptures and trust in those scriptures and learn from those scriptures and pass those scriptures on so that our children can have flashlights and their children have flashlights 
and so on and so forth until the day dawns and Christ returns. Then we see everything brightly. There is no dark corner anymore. He says this as well. No prophecy or no scripture was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Our scriptures are not derived from men's minds. It is not a wise man who wrote scripture. It's funny, if you look throughout scripture, you have fishermen and you have prophets. You have men who wore the weirdest clothes and did the weirdest things in prophetic uh, utterance to the people of the world. Jeremiah and other prophets who had to do strange things to get the people's attention to say, this is what is going to happen to you if you do not return to God. This is written by Pharisees, but also by tax collectors. This is written by all sorts of people who followed Christ. And in the lineage of Christ are prostitutes and kings and all sorts of people as well in that line. Our scripture pulls no punches in saying some people did dumb things and some people did smart things. Jesus is calling people fools and he's calling people brothers and he's calling people brood of vipers. Scripture is wonderful in the way that it rounds out who Christ is. It doesn't make him look like he can't be tired. It doesn't make him look like he could never cry. Instead, it gives a full view of who Christ is, even his relationship to his parents when he's young and what he was meant to do in the temple. Scripture is a beautiful word from the Lord given to you by a God who owed you nothing. You could have been born, come into this world, and God said, figure it out yourself. And you never would have done it. You would have been like, well, I saw a guy beat another guy. Maybe I'm just supposed to beat people. I saw a woman, she stole a necklace from someone. Maybe I'm supposed to be like her. I should just steal things. Uh, I saw an animal eat another animal. Maybe I should just eat people and animals and whatever. Because if that's all you see, without the light of the scripture, you start to think, well, maybe I am an animal. You're trying to put together your worldview with no scripture. You're just trying to make it in the world with no word from God. And this is what a lot of people are doing today. Why get married? If I'm a boy, why can't I be a girl? If I'm a guy, why can't I marry a guy? If there is no scripture, if there is no truth, do whatever you want to. And you will be playing the worst song ever written in history. But do you want to play a beautiful melody with your life? Then play what scripture has for you to play. It's been written for you how your life should go. It tells you how to love your wife, beautiful song. How to love your children, great song. It tells you how to work in your business. It tells you how to love in your relationships. It tells you how to love your enemies, how to bless those who curse you. It tells you how to be patient and long-suffering. It tells you when you should speak and rebuke. 
And it tells you when you should offer mercy and grace. And it tells you that sometimes when you rebuke, you are offering mercy. I love this about God. God did not have to tell you how to get out of danger. That is mercy and grace to you. When he says, do not go past this. It sounds harsh, but it in fact is mercy. He could have never told you to stop. And you just walked off that cliff. You just lived that lifestyle and there was no warnings. That is not mercy. Instead, he warned you and he rebuked you and he disciplined you and he corrected you. And then he offered you forgiveness when you sin. Paul, writing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, he's talking to Timothy and he says this. <clears throat> this is most popular verse about scripture and how it's how we got it. it says this in verse 14 but as for you Timothy continue in what you've learned and this also goes for you who've been in the church forever those of you who know the scriptures continue in what you've learned and you've firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. These scriptures, these things that your grandma and your parents have been talking to you about, these things that your Sunday school teachers have been saying to you are true. This is the way to salvation, which is faith in Jesus Christ. Not if you work hard enough, not if you're a good enough person, but if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you can be saved. It's an offer of mercy and affection from God the Creator. The fact that God talks to us at all is a great blessing because He could have just left us to ourselves. All Scripture, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for all of these things for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture has given you everything that you need for life and godliness in this world. It tells you you should be hardworking, that you should be diligent, that you should provide, that your hands should not be lazy, that you should care for one another, that you should think of others as better than yourselves. And the list goes on and on and on. And all these things are taking your life and working them into a beautiful song of glory to God. And so Peter's encouraging them, as these false teachers come in, as they are already here, you need to grab more fully the scriptures, which is even more profound than the transfiguration itself. It's exactly what Jesus used to show the disciples that he was the son of God, that he had to die and then rise again. This was foretold already. So I want to encourage you to be careful to rest your thoughts and to rest your life and to rest your mind on the written word of God. 
It is your light in this world of darkness. Until the Lord himself comes and the day arises and you no longer need to just rest in this much light, but you will have the light of the world, which is Jesus, shining in every corner. Be careful not to let your experience be your guide. Experience cannot decide truth. It still needs to be interpreted. You may have had a good time, but that does not mean that your time was not sinful. Christ tells us what is good, what is right, what is lovely, and what we ought to think about. But Scripture also tells us the most important thing And that is that you are to have your faith not on any other thing, but only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That you would trust him fully and completely to know that he is a good Savior. To know that he grants peace and mercy and forgiveness to all those who are far off. That you can run to him, that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He is not like the false teachers who heap weights on your shoulders but are unwilling to lift a finger to help get them off of your shoulders. In fact, Jesus Christ bore the weight of your sin already on his shoulders so that you can be free in Christ, free to love, free to serve, free to give of your life. And he did that because he loves each and every one of you who turn to him. So I encourage you to dig into the scriptures to use the scriptures, to apply the scriptures. In there you will find all that you need. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to come here from it again. We thank you for generation upon generation who have heard these things, church after church who's learned from Peter speaking according to the Holy Spirit. God, help us to shine the light of your word on all the areas of our lives until you return, until the day dawns, until we see you face to face, until we have our glorified bodies. God, help us to encourage one another until that day comes. In Christ's name, amen. Pianist must have been so caught up in the scripture that she forgot she had to play. Turn to 2.16. Until he comes, many things can get in the way of our vision and the word of God is important to us. One day he'll come and we'll see him. Let's stand and sing 216 together when we see Christ. the day seems long, our trials hard to bear, we're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair, but Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever over. In God's eternal day, it will be.
in Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Sometimes the sky looks dark with not a ray of light. We're tossed and driven on, no human help in sight. But there is one in heaven who knows our deepest care. Let Jesus solve your problem, just go to Him in prayer. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Life's day will soon be o'er, all storms forever past. We'll cross the great divine to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished, we'll lay our burden down. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Gracious Father, we're grateful for your love. A love that would send Christ to this earth to die for us, to shed his blood to take away our sin, and to rise again to give us the hope of eternal life. We're grateful that your word came to us written, that we might know these truths, that you might put them in our hearts and in our minds, that we might think on them and live because of them and, and know that even through trial, there can be great joy because we walk through that with you. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Send us knowing your word. Help us to respond correctly to it. And we'll praise you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>